welcome, goblins and ghouls, to the Spooktober edition, Creature Feature, after the credits. <laughs> we'll break down the goriest and the scariest movies, including our favorite scenes, quotes, trivia, and even our favorite death. <laughs> Stick around to see who lives and who dies. <laughs> Welcome back to After the Credits, Spooktober edition. <laughs> Today, I'm joined by a new, a new buddy. Well, I guess an old buddy, but a new buddy to the to the show. Uh, my buddy Joe, old work friend, um, and now just buddy because we don't work together anymore, is joining us to to review some movies with us. Thanks for coming, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, if you want to, I don't know if you want to kind of give a little bit of a background of like maybe the type of movies you like or, or anything like that. It's, I, I, we, we'd spoke a little bit about bringing you in for the Halloween movies for our, our, our creepy edition for our, our films. And, um, you jumped on that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always been, I guess I shouldn't, shouldn't say always, but I grew up watching a lot of, you know, horror movies and, just being kind of into the, you know, the very niche genre of horror. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I have, I, I always have a lot to say about horror. So <laughs> I have a lot to provide. I can talk for hours about certain movies and yeah, when you, when you came to me about this idea, I, uh, I was, I was more than, more than happy to, to jump on. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, then this should be, this should be a good time. Then this should be a lot of fun. And of course, uh, like always joined by big cheetah over here, Dylan, um, we are in the dungeon the one, newly, one, 1. 1.5. Yeah. The newly updated dungeon, new carpet, new paint yeah, looking all yeah. spooky. We're, we're getting there. We got the lights down low. It's getting creepy. You didn't light the candle. We I were, didn't. You I didn't. were supposed to light the candle, Dylan. God damn it. That's okay. But yeah, it's, it's, we got that whole creepy horror movie, spooky ambiance in here and I'm fucking digging it. So, um, Today, the the film that we are going to be talking about is going to be The Shining. Um, one of my all-time, not just favorite horror films, but just one of my all-time favorite films just in general. This this movie has so many different layers to it. Um, you know, given the, the adaptation that it's pulling from Stephen King's book, um, loosely, I guess, pulling from Stephen King's book, and then... Um, you know Stanley Kubrick's version of it. It's it's there's a lot to talk about, so I'm really excited to do this. So you're not alone um, in that in those thoughts either. I've I've heard that uh, when like just general audiences are at, I mean like not even horror fans when general audiences are asked what their favorite horror movie is, a lot of them say The Shining. It's just sure. it's just a blanket answer for that question for mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's a good movie. Yeah, it so, is. It's a great movie. So there's going to be uh, just a little bit of a, a little bit more information just along the lines of the three of us here. There's going to be there's going to be four episodes that are put out in the month of October. Um, we did Shaun of the Dead previously with with Dylan and I. That was a, that was a good time. And if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it right now. I'll wait. Okay. Thanks for coming back. Um, <laughs> we did. We each kind of picked a movie other than the the Shaun of the Dead. That was something that Dylan and I agreed on. We each kind of picked a movie that we wanted to talk about. Mine was The Shining. Um, and then we've got two other ones that are going to be coming later with the same people talking about it. So me, Dylan, and Joe. So 
Um, this was the one that I picked. I have a lot of information on this one just because I really oh, enjoy sure. it. Yeah, and and it, it's it should be a good time. So let's dive, let's dive right into this bitch. So um, <laughs> the release date of this is June thirteenth, nineteen eighty. Um, I don't know along the lines of a lot of movies that it was going <laughs> up against, but have I got news for you. A bunch of them, I'm guessing. May 1980, uh-huh. Friday the 13th. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. That is direct, direct Weird. competition. Yeah. Weirdly not released on Friday the 13th, as most <laughs> of the sequels would be in the <laughs> right. future. Yeah. I don't think they knew what that movie was going to become in fact movies are released on friday this one came the shining came out on june 13th that's most likely friday the 13th that this one that that the shining came out oh you might Um, be right there i just i just noticed that but yeah so so uh friday the 13th are there any other ones that it was uh nothing i mean nothing that came up that would have been direct competition yeah i mean friday the Um, 13th is the is the big one because that was do you think the original friday the 13th would have been competition for this at the time it might not have been uh, because it's i mean it's the original one yeah it would have been the original one because it came out in the the very first one yeah so yeah yeah, i mean it the jasonless one and Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it 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 was marketed as a horror movie and i don't know how well it did um, but it was still a horror movie, nonetheless. Well, this one, I mean, The Shining would, killed would, in in like in the box office. Like it was, it was a big, big yeah, movie. It was so, huge. so yeah, I'm, I'm, I doubt that it. W- I mean, direct competition along the lines of they're the same genre of movie, but along the lines of like popularity and I mean, you got Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall in this film. Like, it, you, and, and you have and you have the names of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, and Stanley and Kubrick was exactly. already so, yeah, a I'm, super established director at the time. Right, right. Having done the thing and having right. done, I, but uh, also more competition than Dress to Kill. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, so then not really much went up against that could have that could have dethroned it or could have taken right. it and and made it you know not make as much money. So, mm-hmm. um, directed by Stanley Kubrick, um, he's you know I I don't need to give the resume of Stanley Kubrick. He's right. done a lot of really good films and a lot of really uh, he, the guy the guy was a nut job. Um, For but, sure. But he he's done a lot of of, of pretty decent and, and and good films. So. Um, no, I, I, okay. I'm sorry, Kubrick. I I mean mm-hmm. on a whole nother level. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean. And I Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. Clockwork Orange, the thing. As much as people don't, no, he didn't do the. Did he do the original thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Oh I no no no! I'm sorry. That was John Carpenter. I'm thinking of John Carpenter because we're going to be talking about the John original the thing well. from like the, yes. I don't know the 50s yes. maybe. I'm but getting, the, yeah. See, Carpenter I just I, I did still, I did these Kubrick, notes and stuff I mean, last night, so I'm I'm mixing things up. But yeah, and if we and if we got it, we got to you know go rounds on this one. I'll do it. Kubrick though, Kubrick is on a whole nother level. Oh, 100%. I mean, when people talk about like visionary directors, I mean, you've got you've got James James Cameron, you've got arguably Peter Jackson. It's Stanley Kubrick's going to be talked about. Mm. He's um, prolific. We'll just say. And and, and original. I mean, other than the fact that he's literally taking from a book for this that was already written. I mean, it he's he's a people weren't doing things that Kubrick was doing when he was doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, A Clockwork Orange still fucks me up. When I watch that movie, yeah, I love that movie. It's yeah. it's, it's really good, but it is a fucking. It's hard to watch trip. the for the first time, but it is, yeah. once you kind of, you know, determine your thoughts on the movie, and if you end up liking it, you you'll end up loving it. I oh, mean, I think it's a like a love or hate movie. There's no in between. And, right. I, and I think that's the way. That's that's how 
Kubrick films are as a gen- as like, as a whole. Yeah. Like you either like his films and uh, and well, I'm sorry, you either absolutely love his films mm-hmm. or you cannot stand them. Yeah. I exactly. I mean I know people who have seen The Shining and they're like that's a piece of shit. <laughs> they're like that movie yeah. sucks and I'm like yeah, it's it's not your it's not your cup of tea. I get it. Like I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that. So so yeah, he's he directed it. Um it's obviously based off the novel uh by Stephen King. Um We'll t- we'll get into talking about it later, but Stephen King was not a fan of his film yeah. adaptation of this. Of this Believe movie. it or not, so um, the uh, let's talk about the budget a little bit here. So the budget, and then this is back in the eighties. Um, so the budget back in the eighties, it was nineteen million dollars estimated was the budget for this movie. Uh, gross U.S. and Canada came out to be about forty five million. Um, so it made money there. Uh, opening weekend in U.S. and Canada did not do well. It, it opened at six thousand. Uh, sorry, six hundred twenty two thousand. So it didn't do well opening weekend. Um, gross worldwide is about the forty-six million dollar range. Well, about forty-seven million by given like a couple hundred dollars. They so, made money. Yeah, they they oh yeah for sure they made money. Whenever you put Jack Nicholson and yeah. at the time Shelley Duvall, whenever you put them in a movie, you're gonna get you're gonna make money off it. Right. Just just from their names in general. So, um, the tagline for this movie, which is weird, it's different from any other tagline that we've done. Um, it's literally just iconic terror from the number one best-selling writer. That there's no. There's no tagline of like, oh, he goes to the hotel and doesn't return. And like, there's nothing, uh, nothing along the lines of that for this tagline. Right. It's just iconic tear from the number one best-selling I, writer. I feel like the the taglines are such a like cheesy horror movie thing that I don't know. I mean, this was probably meant to be, or it it was envisioned as a blockbuster when it was coming out. Yeah. And I just don't know many blockbusters with those super cheesy taglines like that. Oh, you'd be surprised. So, <laughs> so the, in, in our previous, there's episode, a lot of fucking taglines that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, you don't see them anymore. Like trailers don't nope. now. I mean, you saw them on like movie posters back in that right. day, but like no it one was, looks at a movie poster nowadays. It was something that was big back in the 70s I'm sure, and 80s, yeah. you know, it, it, but now, yeah, you're right. We pulled up a tagline for the suicide squad and it just didn't, it wasn't, it, it was stupid. <laughs> it's just something that they don't do anymore. So um, we'll do a quick synopsis. So a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees hor- psych- psychic son sees. Let's say that yeah. five times fast. While his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both the past and the future. Um, so if anyone's read the book, uh, you know, you know what's going on. You know what's going to happen. You know what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a the a classic story of cabin fever, of being isolated in you know uh, in a in a building with with other people and losing your mind and fucking murdering them. Right. Um. So yeah. Um. Let's see here. Let's we we can talk about the the actors in it. Um. We talked about Jack Nicholson uh, playing Jack Torrance. Uh. Shelley Duvall. Playing Wendy Torrance, um, Danny Lloyd playing Danny, and then Scatman Crothers uh, playing Halloran. Um, he's uh, he's awesome in yeah. this movie. He does a really it's good a, job. I mean, it's the only thing I've seen him in, but yeah, he he's great for sure. So yeah, so I mean, when I first saw this movie, uh, I was young. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was pretty young, and for the content that's in this movie, it could easily scar horrify yeah, yeah. mess mess up a, a young kid um but i mean <laughs> <laughs> you're 
It, it explains a lot now. I get <laughs> yeah, it. What are you trying <laughs> it's to making say? Making a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, I mean, having knowing, like having you know me is it, it. It would explain a lot of things with how I am that I was traumatized as a child with horror movies. I mean, I was watching movies like this and The Exorcist and The Omen and Poltergeist and stuff when I was far too young to be watching stuff like this. And I was it, watching this, other fucked up shit when I was a kid, like <laughs> The Devil's Rejects. Oh and, God. Yeah. Well, so. We'll we'll talk how, more how, about how that. Old are, how old are you, Joe? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Okay, I was like, kid, Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I was gonna say you were a child watching Devil's Rejects. More I back remember, in my day. Yeah, I remember the Devil's Rejects coming out when I was, you know, a, a little bit like a teenager. Yeah. yeah. So, and and so I mean, but that goes to show that how horrors pro- like changed and progressed over the years. I mean, you have this type of horror, which uh, in its own right is gory. I mean, they literally have an, a waterfall of blood coming out of an elevator in, in <laughs> right. The Shining, but then you get the, the Devil's Rejects, which is just a completely different type of sadistic horror. Right, it's just disturbing. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's fucking wild. But well, and yeah, The Shining, I mean, the, the generations that it has to this point lasted, um, I mean, it's... It's a fucking it's a it's a great story. It is. The premise of it is is really fucking good. Yeah. I you can't you can't get past that. The crazy thing with horror is that the hor- horror films in general is that there's a lot of them from the 80s and 70s that don't hold up. That I can watch now and I'm like I'm like why did this scare me? Like how how did this terrify me when I was young? This is not one of those films. This movie still like there's still imagery and still stuff that happens in this that makes me feel eerie or makes me feel creeped out or mm-hmm. even there's even some like pop scares that get me to, you know, jump and having watched a movie, I don't know how many times it's really difficult to get that to consistently happen when you watch the film. I mean, I watch this, I dedicate time pretty much every year around this time for, you know, for, for mm-hmm. Halloween purposes to watch this movie, um, you know, with some other ones, the exorcist, uh, the Halloween films, the, yeah. the evil dead films, stuff like that. You know, I, 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 I set aside time to watch it just because it's an it's an impactful film and it's still creepy. It's, it's still there, it's there's really and, and I'll tell you which part later, but there's a part in this movie that just it, it fucked me up. Oh yeah, there's a on few this of them, on man. this watching watching it for us recording this mm-hmm. episode and and it fucked me up. Yeah. Never did before, but did now. Yeah, for sure. No, I I completely agree with you. So, in my in my uh, rewatch review, I'll call it uh, from this movie. Uh, I wrote something in there that 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 kind of nods to what you're saying, Dylan, where mm-hmm. it's like the the amount of times I've seen this movie, you'd think I've seen everything there is to see in yeah. it. But every time I rewatch it, I find something new. Like mm-hmm. there's a that new layer true. that unfolds. There's something I didn't notice before. There's something mm-hmm. that maybe foreshadows or nods to a later part in the movie that you yeah. just don't realize yeah. on your first watch right. through. So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. It's 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 got a, and like I said at the beginning, it's got a lot of layers to it. It's, it does. It's got a lot. Of, it's got a lot of stuff to break down. So, um, why don't we why don't we hit on the quotes here real quick? I want the quotes. You can't handle the quotes. Here's our favorite quote from this week's movie. I've got, I really only have two. There's a, there's a lot of them, um, but I really only have two of them that are like my favorites. Um, one of them is just a, a quick quote and the other one's a little bit of a monologue. Um, so why don't we do, do you have any that you can recall right now, jo- Joe, that you, that you really enjoyed or, or Dylan, either one of you guys, first one to speak gets it. 
Okay, so I'll Dude's go. I don't. It. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know word for word, but it's the, um, it's it's when Jack is um, first chasing uh, Wendy. Is it up the stairs? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I have that one. Do you want me to? Yeah, it's because no, I've got it. the full yeah, quote. Yeah, so I'm sure you do. <clears throat> so Wendy's she's she's backing up the stairs away from him. She's terrified. She's got the baseball bat, which there's more. I got some fun trivia about that scene uh, coming up here in a bit. Um, but she's backing up the stairs from him. She's swinging the bat and everything. And um, she's like, I just want to go to my room. I need to think about things. I need to think things over. And he goes, you've had your whole fucking life to think things over. What, think things over. What's a few more minutes going to do you now? She's like, please don't hurt me. And he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. She's like, stay away from me. He's like, Wendy, darling, light of my life. <laughs> I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to bash your fucking brain. Or, yeah, and I'm going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. That line is one of my favorites just because it's Jack Nicholson being very creepy, sinister, sadistic yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like the, He was perfectly casted for this movie. Um, and that line is when you finally see. I mean, he's he builds up to where he snaps, where he finally yeah. snaps and loses it. But this line, when she's follow, when he's following her up the stairs, you're like, oh, like he's hit. Fuck it, like he's he's yeah. now like intending on fucking killing her. Yeah, like, he's not he, human anymore. Right, he's he's completely lost his fucking mind, and that's and that's the first time that you really see like, oh, he's thrown everything else out the window. There's no trying to resolve things and trying to make things better. He's going to kill his family. He's I going think, to try to kill his family. I think there's a specific scene. Um, in which we kind of know, I think like, I know that exactly he's unhinged, and it's just, it's like literally says um, Thursday on the screen, uh-huh. and then it's just Jack Nicholson with the Kubrick glare, looking staring at the out screen, the window. Look, mm-hmm. like just staring at Wendy, Wendy and, and uh, Danny, like yeah. playing in the snow, and it's just like he just looks like I'm gonna murder these people. Yeah, <laughs> his face then, turns from yeah. just completely like 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 blank, no no emotions or anything to just. Like and and it's the most subtle inflect that he changes his face, but it turns into just like, oh, this dude's lost his mind. Like he's sadistic, yeah. and he's it's not it's not Jack anymore. That I think that in like Kubrick's movies, that scene or that stare or glare <laughs> is meant to be like the turning point of the movie for right. that character. Right. Like in Full Metal Jacket with Private Pile, yeah. Um, yeah. In Clockwork Orange, which I think the thing about Clockwork Orange is, I think his name is Alex, right? Mm-hmm. The main character. Yeah. He's doing that at the fucking like beginning, the beginning of the yeah. movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know that like this is just going to be a fucked up movie. That's why yeah. that movie like, is a thrill ride. It's just an <laughs> insane thrill ride from like jump. It's from the beginning right. that it's fucking nuts. Right. Um, so, yeah. The, so the him staring out the window, um, watching Wendy and, and Danny kind of go through the or start to go through the maze or just playing in the snow. That's where you kind of see, finally see that he's just lost it. But then that line, when that, I guess that's when Wendy finally realizes, like, oh, I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's he's going to fucking kill me. So yeah, that line is a good one. That's and that that was one of the ones I had written out, Dylan. And I mm-hmm. figured that there would be uh, other people who yeah, would, there'd have to be. That's it's. I mean, yeah, right. We'll bash your fucking brains in. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bash him right the fuck in. <laughs> but we kind of touched on this um, while the mics were heating up. Uh, these movies all just kind of have those titular quotes that everyone kind of talks about. And I, I think that is one of them, but I personally really like when Jack is in the gold room talking to Lloyd and just like cracking these like dad jokes, like a little slow tonight, isn't it Lloyd? And, (laughs) and just stuff like that. You're the best bartender from here to Portland or something. (laughs) Portland, Oregon for that matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
for the, the 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 cool thing about that in and and it's it's in in the the moment watching the movie you don't really it doesn't really click until later like there's no one there right he's, exactly. he is literally sitting at this fucking bar not drinking anything but like envisioning himself drinking some liquor and right. talking to no one right talking to and 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 here's some of the thing that like this is something that we could discuss as well is like throughout this movie Danny is seeing dead people. Mm-hmm. Danny's seeing the two little girls who were killed previously by the other caretaker. Um, the job who Jack uh, Nicholson is he came in to take. Um, so you're seeing dead people throughout this whole movie. Is Jack seeing these people in this ballroom that's full of of you know of, of dead people? Is he is he seeing them and feeling like he's there with them? Or is he just is is he just losing his his mind at this point and just and uh, just talking to himself like it like it, is he actually seeing dead people or is he just fucking crazy? Like before before we get into it really deep, did, do we have any more quotes? I do, yeah, and, and it's the it's the biggest. Well, it's been voted one of the biggest and best quotes of of oh, any sure, movie all I mean, time. We haven't hit some of them. Yeah. I was gonna hit the big hitters if 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 you guys. Were so done, yeah, I mean you you got the here's Johnny yeah. like the, the Johnny Carson the thing. Johnny yeah. Carson bit that can't and, uh, so that that you know quote is I it's iconic right. in, in films. Yeah. Um, it's it's something and that it was an ad lib too, right? It's been used it was, for yeah. everything. I've seen it so many times yeah. in different films. Well, he's no, he. I think he's saying that Jack. Oh Nicholson yeah, Jack Nicholson. Just, yeah, he it wasn't improvised. Yeah. It. Well, Stanley uh, Stanley Kubrick from is, trivia, didn't I? You did. Sorry. Um, well, and, <laughs> Sorry. So, so I mean, along the lines of this quote, I can I can talk about it now. But yeah, yeah. It's Stanley Kubrick is is what was he? Uh, bring British. What, uh, he's he's not from he's not from the United States. So yeah. when Jack did that, he almost cut it from the movie. Yeah, he, he probably didn't, didn't understand. He, yeah, because he didn't know Johnny Carson. Right. He didn't know who Johnny Carson was. He didn't know where the fucking quote came from. So he almost cut it from the movie, which means that he would have he would have cut the one of the most iconic lines in cinema history mm-hmm. from this movie, and it would have been just to, you know completely. Honestly, if Stanley Kubrick was alive and knew that it would become one of the most mm-hmm. iconic lines in cinema history, he'd probably still cut it because. That's him. Right. His creative choice is just comes before anything. He doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit. And and I have some more about. Honestly, most of my trivia is just talking about how much of a fucking wacko he, oh, uh, Stanley Kubrick is. <laughs> That's He's like just, one of the most famous things about him mm-hmm. is like right. just all the bullshit he put his. I mean, he his drove car- his crew through. Yeah, he drove Shelley Duvall to literal like mental illness. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> no yeah. kidding. It's fucking wild. So um, there's the here's Johnny quote, and then the other one is is um, right before the here's Johnny quote. Jack has got the axe in his hand, and it's just it's it's goofy, but it's still fucking terrifying. Uh, Wendy's uh, Wendy's in the bathroom with the knife in her hand and just terrified because she can't get out the window to get mm-hmm. away from him. And he's like, "Little pig, little pig, <laughs> let me in." And then like it, that whole yeah. line is just creepy as shit. Deranged. Oh yeah, and yeah. It, you can tell that he's you can tell he's having a blast at how terrified she is of right. him. And he's just going with it and having having a good old time scaring the shit out of her. Um, but I mean, that's really all I had for for quotes, other than you know, like red rum and everything, the classic ones. That, right. Um, yeah. no, it's not spoken, but the um, all work and no play. Yep. Makes Jack a dull boy. Yep. For I mean, sure. That's I mean that's pretty iconic. That's I mean that's huge. I mean, there's so many things of these quotes that are just fucking cemented in a pop culture. It's very mm-hmm. referential, or a lot of pop culture references. Mm-hmm. The here's Johnny. The all work, no play, mm-hmm. the red rum. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, those are the iconic ones. So. For sure. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, along the lines of quotes, that's really all I got. So, um, I mean, we could just have a little bit of a discussion along the lines of the film, if you'd like, uh, you know. Um, I, I, I will, and we could we could relate it to to our favorite scenes. So we can. Why don't we? Why don't I bring up some scenes? We'll talk about uh, the uh, some of the favorite scenes I had, and we can go into discussion about those scenes and what makes them so creepy or what makes them so fucking good. Say hello to our favorite scene. And now our favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes, and it still creeps me out to this day, just because of how Danny's voice changes to right. when when it's what's the Tony Tony yeah mm-hmm. how his voice changes to where Tony's talking and it's not Danny anymore he's kind of like possessed, but when he you know he he takes the 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 ch- the lipstick and he writes you know red rum on the wall and mm-hmm. then goes and wakes his mom up and is just screaming red rum in like that Tony voice yeah and then his mom like sits up and you the yeah. the the Kubrick the Kubrick style music hits and the, blaring, the crazy I, blaring loud fucking. Mm-hmm. I have so many notes in this where I'm just like, this fucking soundtrack is just beautiful. Oh, mm. oh for sure. Along the lines of a horror asp- a horror film, this this like this movie would not be the movie that it is without a soundtrack. No, and, and honestly, a lot of them wouldn't. Honestly, I was gonna say all the th- all the movies that we're gonna discuss this month all have that similar theme. Yeah, where like, for and, sure. And there's there's we'll get into that later. But um, <laughs> so so yeah. So she sits up in the bed. And that music hits and. She sees what you thought was just, and when I was younger, I didn't get it. I was like, I was like, Red Room, what the fuck is that? And then she sits up and looks in the mirror, and you see it written backwards, just written as murder. And I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> like that's that's crazy. When I was a kid and I first saw that, I, that was wild. Yeah, that was probably like a huge turning point for some people too. Mm-hmm. Do we know if uh, Danny, that was Danny Lloyd's voice, like when it was like creek you know tony was that danny lloyd's voice screaming yeah, red rum it was yeah it was the kid it was the actual kid who did yeah. that yeah this ki- amazing so, kid actor mm-hmm. for sure yeah so there's a there is a documentary that was done that i watched last night just because i was really getting into this um getting into this movie and i looked it up and watched it and it's called arena making the shining mm, um, heard of it. this kid is super young but is like taking professional like di- or professional acting like coaching and and direction from Stanley Kubrick, one of the most difficult you know directors to work with. Right. He's taking this these this direction from him and just killing it as the as as a little kid acting. So you know it didn't surprise me when I found out that he did the actual voice of Tony and was you know that that creepy like screaming and stuff mm-hmm. that he did like the the whole imagery of him talking to his finger and or using his finger to talk is Tony. And, and, like, when he's talking to Scatman, he's like, yeah, Tony lives in my mouth. Like, right. It's like, oh, this kid is fucking wild. <laughs> I mean, this kid is messed up. I read somewhere online that um, as much of a jerk Stanley Kubrick was to, like, Shelley Duvall and I some of the crew, trivia, yeah. he was really sweet to Danny Lloyd. Like, he, he walked him after, through a lot of it. And, mm-hmm. and, um, I've, I, I'd also read that Danny Lloyd didn't know about a lot of the crap that happened with this movie growing up, and he didn't actually like really know much about it or even see the whole thing until he was like a teenager. Right, yeah. which is good. I mean, they that the the shit that like Kubrick put you know Nicholson and and Duvall and Scatman through is like it's good that like the kid didn't get subjected to that exactly. or have to see it you know I, I mean it was said that like during during you know uh, breaks and stuff uh Kubrick would play you know catch and play ball with him and right, right. He, he would send christmas cards and, and letters to to uh to danny throughout his 
his you know childhood and then you know sent him a gift and like money on his graduation day like they they formed a bit of a relationship during the filming so it's good to see a little bit of a human side of Kubrick when literally the rest of the time he's just a fucking monster through, <laughs> right. through filming this so um so that's yeah that that scene with Danny um doing his his fantastic screaming and and yeah. uh, that one's really good um another one that's iconic uh is is Danny seeing the twin girls in the hallway while he's riding his big wheel? Oh, I, I love Come that scene. Come play with us, Danny. Well, the whole the whole uh, tricycle scene. I mean, the I mean, audio the in that is fantastic. Driving, yeah. It was one of those. Uh, it was like a. It was like a. Uh, the Shining like pioneered the Steadicam mm-hmm. shots of following Danny. Him. Yeah, following the tricycle right. and. But you mentioned the sound, and I mean, when Danny goes over like the carpet the, the, compared the rug, to the wood floor, and then the wood floor. And I mean, just that, that alone that is snap. building up suspense like yeah. that alone. Just yeah. the sound difference is building up suspense. And then once he just turns that corner and those twins are there, <laughs> the right. Boom, right. Just right. Of the soundtrack. And then and, and then and then like like flash and then you see him like dead. Bloody yeah, the jump cut. It's like you blink and you miss it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that scene, that scene's a great one. Um, it, it, again, I, I, I've I'll, got a bunch with trivia for, for all these for, for a yeah. lot of stuff that happened here. But yeah, that. It took a lot of time to film and to get right, um, but it ended up being, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen like uh, Twister, but I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they call back that whole scene in Twister with the, when they're at the drive in and they've got the the shining playing on the yep. on the, you know, the the, the drive in movie theater like the the two. It, it's been brought up in Family Guy. It's been brought up in South Park. There's been a lot of stuff where that scene with the two little girls standing next. And, and also little girls are creepy. They are. They're just mm-hmm. inherently creepy. That's so, why there's there's like an entire subgenre of horror <laughs> with creepy little girls. Yes, yeah. for sure. I, I that's I mean I think that's why like the Annabelle, you know, the Annabelle mm-hmm. doll, the dolls, uh, the, yeah. those movies do so well. It's just because they're so goddamn creepy. The, the Ring, Stranger yeah. Things, even kind of derives from that too. That is true. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it, you know, you you put in two little girls in like pretty little dresses, holding hands with sunken ass faces and real pale skin, <laughs> and have them talk creepily. I'm 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 for it. I'm there for it every time, and this yeah. was no exception. It was it was fucking terrifying. So, um, let's see here. Uh, I and uh, Dylan, I think this might have been what you were talking about earlier with a with a part that that still like messes you up or messes with you. But the the it was two two. What was the room number two? Two thirty seven. Two thirty seven. He goes into room. Uh, uh, Jack goes into room two two thirty seven. And I was going to mention. He's got the scene. gorgeous <laughs> naked lady getting out of the tub, and and he starts kissing her, and then you see in the mirror behind, it's just this de- decomposing, rotting corpse of an old ass woman that he was kissing, just completely naked, and just that move that part of that that scene still disgusts me, just gr- grosses me out. Yeah, absolutely. Was that, that the one that you were talking about? Or? No. Oh, For 1980, pretty good special effects, like pretty good dead body, honestly. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. really well done with the prosthetics. Yeah, yeah. Like that, they 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 did, it. and you know, say what you will about you know special effects and stuff in the in the 70s and 80s, but one of the things that was really well done in the 80s, and I mean honestly, even today, it, and it, it makes it, it to me, it's better this way, is practical. Practical effects, effects yeah. Pract- like actual actual costumes and actual, you know, pract- practical, uh, you know, oh, well, explosions and shit We'll probably like that. talk more about this next episode, but yeah, I mean, there was a certain era where they just relied so heavily on digital CGI. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just bummer, you man. really have to appreciate practical effects when yeah. they're when they're done well today, if, even. If, 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, it's even it, like if if The Shining came out today, the scene where the blood comes out of the elevator would not be practical. Right. That would not. Would. They wouldn't have done it with literally gallons and gallons of fake blood. It looks like red wine. I mentioned that to <laughs> my wife when I was watching it. Uh, it's got this like see-through factor that you don't re- you wouldn't get with like real blood. Exactly. Um, Blood's a little bit more thick. Right. Right. Cloudy. And, Again, I got some more trivia when we get to that point, but uh, um, I guess that leads us into the the next scene uh, that I really enjoyed. Is did mm. you have anything else to comment on that one? No, Dylan? go ahead. Go so yeah, ahead. it leads me into the next scene is the blood elevator scene. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, that was, I so I had never seen anything like that before when that happened. We and see it early on too, mm-hmm. like when Danny see a had, flash of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Danny's it's having his, pre- it's his premonition of it. Right, yeah. right, right. His shining of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, I've. I like to think of myself as a horror movie like connoisseur. <laughs> I, I like I like kind of obscure films and I like films that are a little bit you know less lesser known to, to yeah, like pop too. culture and shit. Yeah. Um, the only other movie that I've ever seen that much fake blood used in is is Peter Jackson's first film called Dead Alive or Brain Dead, depending on where it was yeah. released. Mm-hmm. Um, they used like a record amount of like fake blood, and well, it actually wasn't fake blood in that movie. They used pig blood, um, but. In this movie, this was the first time that I had seen that much that much fake blood being used for anything. Enough to fill like a small swimming pool, pretty much. It comes out of the hel- the the elevator, and there's so much of it that you see it literally lifting up furniture and moving yeah. the furniture to the <laughs> right. back of the room because it's just literally a waterfall flood of fucking fake blood. Crazy. Um, again. We got some stuff to talk about with that scene later as well. I'm just going to keep saying it every fucking time I have. <laughs> right. Something. But yeah. So There's just a lot to talk about with this movie. Yeah. I There's got so two, much. For sure. I got two more scenes to, that, uh, that, you know, that I want to bring up. And that's, this is like the most favorite scenes I've had in a movie that we've well, talked yeah, about. Yeah. This is your favorite. I mean, this is the one that you picked. Yeah, so it, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, you, so we've got, uh, Jack chasing Danny through the maze at the end, Yeah. Yep. which is, so fucking creepy. Um, you Danny boy, I'm coming, Danny. Um, it's 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 hard <laughs> to watch that now that I've seen. I don't know if you guys have seen the South Park episode. Yes, with many with, times with Stan running from or not Stan. Uh, well, yeah, it's Stan like yeah. going through the like movie store and Randy's like trying to chase after him and Dad. he's playing. <laughs> Stan, 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 I'm coming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like that that whole scene where he's chasing Danny through the maze. Um, and the the aspect that like this little kid knows to like yeah. to step backwards through I the footprints that notes, he Stan or uh, Danny the trickster for sure yeah. like the, like and that's not the first time in this movie like going and hiding in the in the uh, the uh, like it's like a, a kitchen cabinet yeah or like something. kitchen cabinet yeah. like moving the pants right. and stuff and hiding in there from him like. This kid is not dumb. Well, here's the thing. Like, we got to remember, because there's so many different aspects of this movie, this kid is, he's psychic. Yeah, he can Tony. See, Very true. He can see the future. He's so, got the shining. Right, exactly. And that's, that's I mean, that's what Stephen King called it in the book. And then mm-hmm. that's one of the things kind of in the movie. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's the whole thing about that kid is that he right. can see the future. I mean, and it might not, like, click all the time. I mean, it's not like he can see both simultaneously. He can't control it. Right, yeah. right. But and, and, I can't, and I can't remember, but when he's doing, like, when he's going through the maze and he stops, like, I, I can't remember if there's a flashback um, or if it's a cut scene or what it is, but that's when he goes, ah, okay, and then starts walking backwards and then covers up his tracks. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's just, I, I think the fact that he's gone through the maze once with his mom... Maybe that's what it was. 
Maybe that's what it was when he goes through with his mom. And realizes how easy it is to get lost and get turned around. Uh, right. I, mean, I, I, I feel like if, you know, this kid's smart enough to know, like, oh, shit, I'm leaving footprints. Mm-hmm. I better back, I better double back over, step in my I, same footsteps, cover it up, and then just go in a different I, direction. I, it's going to throw your dad off. I forget. How how old is he in this? Like, not his actor, but, like, how old is That's Danny a good question. Can you look that up for us, Dylan? I, I would say, like, 10. Yeah, Nine? maybe like maybe. Eight, eight to ten. Yeah, just super, super young, and but very into his like, or very, very smart, very, very smart. intelligent. For I mean, we that might age. be able to like lend some of that to Tony, but right. still, you know, so right. The fact that a kid just comes up with this stuff is, and I mean, honestly, you could probably lend all of it to Tony because Tony's right. the one. Like you, you could, you could, you could. There's an argument to be made that Tony made. Him ask Jack if he was going to hurt him and his him and mom. Right. Like Tony made him, you know, realize like, oh, dad's like something's wrong with dad. Like there's a lot of things that happened that maybe would not have happened if he didn't have the shining and didn't have Tony. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And for a five year old. What? Five, five years, old. years old. That's a little is, unconvincing. And and I don't know. I, I That's which that's, would lean more towards the fact that he's not the one pulling the strings that Jack mm-hmm. is. Exactly. Or, oh, no, sorry, Tony. Not Jack. Tony is the one that's really controlling kind of what he does and, and running the show. So, right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I guess, so that, yeah, that, that whole, that leading to, leading to spoiler, leading to Jack's death being frozen in the snow. Then <laughs> Spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie, then you're under movie. a goddamn rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that scene's cool. And then the last one is my favorite scene is, is Jack breaking into the bathroom. Um, yeah. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. yeah the, here's it, Johnny. The imagery, the imagery of that is, is it's, it, it's ranked like, Along the lines of like best scenes in films, it's ranked way up there. Um, so yeah, the those are my favorite scenes. Do you got any other ones that I, I pretty much covered? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. I mean, All of them. We I know, right? We just went through the whole movies. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we we mentioned it earlier, but yeah, the gold room scene is just. I just love his dis- his discussion with Lloyd and his back and forth, mm-hmm. and then he revisits it later when it's actually like full of like ghost people, and he meets um, Grady. Grady, the the quote previous caretaker, the guy you know, who killed his wife and his two yeah. kids. Yeah, um, th- I just love that scene because it's I don't know I just like that dumb dad humor that he uses all the time talking to both Grady and Lloyd mm-hmm. and. Of course, yeah, like those those iconic scenes with uh, you know the, the twins and mm-hmm. the blood elevator. The here's Johnny, the ba- uh, the the old crusty dead lady, mm-hmm. the typewriter scene. I oh think. yeah, where where she, where uh, Wendy comes in and he's well. So the typewriter scene where she sees that he's been writing yeah, all work like and no play, but the scene hundreds where, of pages the scene of the that. scene yeah, where, where she where comes she in and he in freaks and out like, on her. Yeah, he's like, if you hear me typing, yes. whatever the fuck you hear me doing, exactly. And then she's like, okay. And he's like, so why don't you start now and get the start fuck now out and get here. the fuck out of like, here? Like, God damn, dude. I wrote and my notes in several se- different sections here, like Jack being a dick part one, Jack being a dick part two. There's a lot of times where he just starts to even before like they get to the hotel it's like this guy's kind of an asshole well he this is, is and, and oh i actually have sorry i have something to say about that there's something i wrote in my notes specifically about their ride to the hotel oh yeah um right because that's when that's when he goes oh i saw it on tv I, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. um they talk about the the donner party yeah, okay the the title card we get before this is closing day mm-hmm. it's shoots to them in the car driving up 
to the hotel and I wrote, Jack speaks to his family like he's constantly aggravated, passive aggressive, and already you get the, like the sense that he's like sick of these people. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, you just those early on scenes like interactions with him and his family mm-hmm. you just have the sense that this guy is like just a complete An asshole. asshole yeah, yeah. right for sure. well and that's the thing with it, it and i and i haven't read the book but i have you read the book uh not all of it yeah, like, i haven't either but the first like four or five chapters but this is but a I have podcast fri- about books it's right right but books. i have <laughs> friends that have read the books and um, and from just knowing what i know about stephen king and in that universe there's an entity in that hotel yeah, in, right. in the Overlook Hotel. Yeah, right. for sure. And when, when in the beginning of the movie, where you know we, we go to the Overlook Hotel, and that's where Jack is having his interview. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that is when the entity is like leeches on. Mm-hmm. Do you think and so? Because I think I don't think absolutely. That, I don't think that it's the. In my opinion, I think it's when uh, I think, like you said, when, uh, well, partially when you said like. I think that it first happens when like he's working on his laptop and sure laptop. <laughs> he's he's working Type on his writer. typewriter. What year and is she this comes, Tyler? Come yeah, on. no shit. The eighties with his with his MacBook with his MacBook. <laughs> Early um, edition MacBook. <laughs> yeah. Number one. Um but he like when she comes down and she sees him, you know, typing and goes to talk to him and he because like he loses his shit on her because like even at the beginning when they first get there, mm-hmm. he's like laying up in bed and she makes him breakfast and he's yeah. joking around. He's oh, in a good mood and everything. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it's like it consumed him at that point, but it was on him. Yeah, but what, you, what makes you was, think that? Well, the though? thing is, is like, wouldn't you think it's the same way with the workers, though, too, if that was truly the case? No, no. I think I think that it, it, it knows who it's, who looking, it's for. looking for. It's looking that's a very for the caretaker. Po- yeah, well, that, that's a good. That's it's a, an entity. I there's mean, it's also a, the dis- it's, a, it's a being. It's a sentient being, that building. There's also the discussion of when he's talking to Grady and the iconic line of you've always been the caretaker. Right. right it's yeah. just like, right. You know. OK. Yeah, no, I could I could definitely see that, and and one of my main things that I that I I think maybe we should touch on is like, is is this a a spirit thing? Is this a is this the, is there an actual entity at at the Overlook, or is this just the results of of somebody getting cabin fever, losing their mind, and hallucinating and seeing shit? Like, is there are oh. they actually seeing dead people, or are I they? Mean, this, and that's and that's what's so fucking awesome about this movie is there's so layers. It's very ambiguous. Well, yeah, there's so many different conspiracy theories. I mm-hmm. mean, and and I'll get into the scene that that fucked me up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, because you uh, we need to talk about that. You keep teasing us, right? Yeah. So it it's the scene where. Um, Danny goes into room 237 or alludes to the fact that he goes into 237 and I'm getting fucking goosebumps now <laughs> just thinking about it. Yes, that's how all you know sees, movie's all, good. Right, all, it's, all, all you see is that like Danny height and, and that door like open and then that's it. And then, mm-hmm. and then shortly after you see Danny come down the stairs sucking his thumb, shirts ripped up and a bruise. Mm-hmm. That's and, terrifying. Right. And Wendy's looking there like, um, what did you that do? Jack did it. Um, what the fuck, guys? Immediately blames Jack. And, yeah. And, well, given and, his history, wouldn't you? Rightfully so. Right. <laughs> and and the, sh- the shot that it has is in focus, you have Wendy and Danny. And then in the foreground, you, I mean, you have Jack just fucking sitting there. You can't see a facial expression. It's all bur- blurred out. Right. Um, but it... Shortly after that scene, um, or maybe it's before. I'm getting it all fucking twisted up. It's a long but movie, it's, but it's <laughs> when it's when Jack is. Um, he has. He's talking to Danny. Yeah. And he's got mm-hmm. him on his lap, 
And at that point, I went, holy fucking shit. I was like, this, he molested him. Like, that's what happened. Like, that, I got that fucking feeling and immediately paused the movie, looked it up. I'm not alone. I'm not. There's other really? people that think that. Huh. I, think, I, I think that does happen before the bruise on Danny's neck. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, what, like, where he's sitting on his lap and he's like, you wouldn't hurt mommy and me. Like, yeah, because that, then what happens right there is Jack's screaming. Uh, in his sleep. sleep and then he tells right. Wendy that he dreamt of murdering her and Danny right. and then that's when Danny comes in the room with the bruise on his right. neck so it's right. like almost post yeah. that scene right. of of Danny on Jack's lap right I okay. was just I the the feeling I got from it 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 it, it very uneasy I yeah. was unnerved to the max it, it was like one of those like holy shit I I I I think he I think he molested his son. Like, yeah. I think that's what happened. Paused the movie, like, looked, looked it, it up. Because I wanted someone to say, shut the fuck up, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But there were other people going, yeah, hey, I think that too. So much so that the the, the, the little cut with the um, with the bear. Um, oh, yeah. Coming mm-hmm. up from, I mean, a, a, they're so deep conspiracy theories yeah. of that's what that represents. Like, that was, what that was, was Tony or Danny through the shining projecting that onto his mom that was his way of saying saying like hey mom this is what happened and it wouldn't be abnormal for stanley kubrick i mean he's no, always Popper had like Gorn's insinuation right. of sexual yep. violence in yep. his yeah. movies so mm-hmm. for sure yeah I'd, eyes I wide honestly, shut literally being mm-hmm. about. about that yeah yeah, yeah that, i mean i honestly i've never thought of that like that's that's an interesting take that i i've never i've never really mm-hmm. thought of but like it would make Dude, that kid has been through so much trauma at the hands of his fucking dad. At five at, years old, yeah, right. him, him breaking his arm because he he fucking pulls him up by his arm when he's, mm-hmm. you know, when he's he threw his papers around and shit. You know, the 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 bruises on his neck. I mean, it, it was that the entity or was that Jack? I mean, what like what what caused mm-hmm. the bruises and the tearing of the shirt and beating the shit out of him? I don't know if we plan to talk about this in this episode, but um. The fact, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen Dr. Sleep, yeah. but the fact that like Danny has grown up to be a seemingly like normal person is kind of hard to believe. It's not believable at because all. Because people who go through that are just fucked for the rest of their life, yeah. like uh, mentally. You know, barring like some very intense, very regular and probably long, long time counseling and therapy. Yeah. You don't recover from something. You, most of the time you don't recover from something. And like Stephen that. King wrote that book, too. So he wrote mm-hmm. Danny as that character. We kind of mm-hmm. just have to respect it. But it's it's just hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. it just doesn't. Yeah, right. You're you're absolutely right. So, yeah, man, I, that's a lot to a, a lot of like I said, the the whole thing that I'm going to come back to with this movie uh, out of the ones that we're doing this month is the fact that it's just the layers, the layers mm-hmm. of, yep. of so much. It's an shit. onion of a movie, for sure. <laughs> it is. Yep, it's a cake. It's a cake. Cakes have layers. <laughs> Everybody likes cakes. Thank you, somebody. <laughs> fuck. Um, so <Parfaits>. yeah, <laughs> perfect. So yeah, let's get into uh, the, the, so with the the Halloween movies, the Spooktober movies that we're doing. Um, I'm adding. Uh, I usually do a kill count. Um, so we'll we'll talk about the kill count here real quick, but then we'll also talk about our favorite death, our favorite kill in the movie. Um, so what? How, how many? How many? Let's let's get a number. What do you What do you think? How many do you think were killed in this you movie? You see, or, I so and before you answer, this is. This is how many have died that we know of on in this screen movie. Deaths. Not nope, not on screen. Just how many have died. So, sorry, how many 
that have been that that were talked about that were killed in the hotel. So like in, like insinuated kills too. Not not talking about like the dead people in the ballroom. Not talking about like the 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 bartender or anything like that because we don't know if those are a figment of just Jack's imagination because he's losing his goddamn mind or if they're spirits from the actual hotel. So just referred to deaths. Yes. Yeah. Are we talking about the twins then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So because those are confirmed. Yeah. Deaths. Okay. I would four, five. Close. Dylan? Well, you said close, and now ten. No. So there's seven total. Um, the first being uh, Dilbert Grady's wife, who was mentioned that she slit her wrist and killed herself. Okay. Um, you've got Grady, shot himself in the head. Um, you've got the two twins. Um, that, that, that Hold on. I thought Grady, I thought when they talk about it, they say that, because when he's talking to Grady in the bathroom, when he's cleaning the alcohol that he spilled on mm-hmm. him off of him, he says something like, um, he was going to murder his children and then his wife tried to stop him from doing it. So he had to quote unquote, correct her too. So I thought Grady killed his wife. So there's two different aspects to it. There's, there's the, what Grady tells Jack Mm-hmm. And then what the actual the 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 I guess the manager of the hotel tells Jack what happened. So right. what the manager tells Jack is and, and the reason why I'm I'm saying that he his idea is the more correct version is because right. I, I feel like the entire time Grady is trying to manipulate and and convince Jack well, that he course, needs to kill his yeah. family. So the 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 head the the main uh, manager of the hotel uh, tells Jack that Grady, you know, killed the twins Um his wife saw what happened, committed suicide, and then Grady shot himself in the head. It's like it's like a story of how a telephone causes stories to diminish into something. How to change? Yeah, to, that, that change over time. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, so there's that. Uh, you, so that's that's one, two, three, four, um, and then you've got uh, Dick Halloran, um, mm-hmm. where Jack kills him with the with the, the axe. axe. Yep. Um, that's five, and then uh, Jack freezing to death at the end. That's yep. six. So. Yeah, so you've got six uh, six deaths in this movie. Um, along the lines of horror films, a lower For a sure. lower number, you know, a much lower number. And and Kubrick's not a kills guy. He really For isn't. sure. So yeah. I think, honestly, I haven't seen all of Kubrick's movies, but I think this actually might have one of the bigger death counts yeah. than in most of his movies. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I, I would say so. I mean, I, you could probably talk about Full Metal Jacket well, just because there's yeah, a lot. It's, it's a war movie. There's right, a lot right, of right. death in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, along the lines of his of his films, this is definitely going to be up there with the with the kill count. The goriest, the scariest, the most satisfying. Here's our favorite death. <laughs> There's really only two deaths that you see on screen that happen. Um, I mean, m- mine that I would choose as as I don't want to say favorite because I'm. It's, that's the the one that I would choose is the best kill I guess in the movie is Jack hitting uh, Dick Halloran with yeah the, with the Scatman Crothers. You, you didn't think that that was, I didn't see it coming. I didn't think it was going to happen when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it did happen, I was like, oh shit! Like there's there goes their only fucking hope. I yeah I thought when I I mean I first saw this when I was a kid, so I guess I I can't think back really to what I originally thought. I probably was just watching pictures move on a screen, honestly. Mm. Uh, but when I watched this for the first time as an adult, um, not really remembering a whole lot, I, yeah, I, I 
figured that um, Scatman Crothers, uh, Dick Halloran, would be like the saving grace character right. for the movie. And yeah, he the, comes from a completely different state to to because yeah. uh, he because uh, Danny's talking to him. Dan, Danny is, is communicating with him through the Shining. Right. Um, well, I guess Danny or uh, Tony. Tony are yeah. communicating with him through the Shining and letting him know, like, hey, this is there's some shit going down. We probably shouldn't need you here. So right. yeah, I mean, he, he fully he takes it upon himself to buy a plane ticket, go get a. Uh, a, a snowcat snow and, and and get up to the the hotel to try to help him and then when he gets killed it's like oh that's it yeah like there's, there's nothing kind stopping of anticlimactic but a bit yeah I mean he's just like walking through the hallway and like boom dead with an axe I'm like oh, shit yeah <laughs> but yeah the whole mentality of uh, that I had was like oh that was their only hope that was Wendy right. and, D- and Danny's only hope of getting out of this alive um, and then you know the the other death uh, to to be noted is is Jack freezing to death in the snow mm-hmm. and getting that ghostly that face crazy ass face at the end where he's you know like frozen and just looking up yeah, it's, it's crazy it's absolutely it's 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 all terrifying so um, I guess those are the only really noteworthy deaths in the mm-hmm. in the movie so let's see we've got we've got the ranking so for me um, I'm gonna rank this one uh, eight to eight point five out of ten. Um, it's okay. one of my favorite horror films. It's it's the the highest one that I've given for a horror, the highest rating I've given for a horror film. Um, it still gives me the creeps. It still makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, Jack Nicholson was perfectly casted. Shelley Duvall was perfectly casted. The Danny was perfect perfectly yeah. casted. Uh, you know, people, I people give Shelley Duvall shit for her performance in this movie, but you have to realize that it, it is a genuine reaction from her because of how bad she was treated during the filming process that it's almost not acting. It's like method acting for mm-hmm. her almost because she was like forced into these feelings. So right. you can't, you can't say genuine or genuine emotions from someone is bad acting. Yeah. So the more I watch it, the more, the more I see this movie, uh, you know, obviously Jack doesn't, um, Jack Nicholson does an amazing oh, job. He's, he's fantastic. Amazing. In this film. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, dude, dude, I could go on and on yeah. about Jack Nicholson's career. Like uh, the, the departed, like I yeah. love him in the departed. One of the best movie villains and you know, was the departed. Yeah. Jack I, Nicholson's I mean, character. he played the, he played the Joker really well. Like there's, yeah. there's just so much that he's done. That's fantastic. And he plays, a, he plays an asshole really well. Yeah, for um, sure. But, like the more I watch it, the more I lean towards more of like Shelley Duvall being like just putting up like the performance of her life in this movie because of how realistic she makes you think she makes you believe that she is fearful for her life, that she's terrified of she what's is, happening kinda. because most <laughs> of the time she was being treated like shit and was probably a little bit afraid. She was. So no doubt. Yeah. So, uh, so I gave it eight, eight, eight point five out of 10. What would you, I mean, what would you give this for a ranking? Um, so we, we've talked about this, but I, I personally use letterboxd for my movie reviews yeah. and rankings and they do a five point scale or a five star scale. Okay. Um, so I gave this a four and a half star, which I think would equate to about a 90%. Okay. So you, so it would have been about a nine for you. Yeah, nine, okay. nine or a ninety percent. Um I, I, I love this movie. Um it it it's influential, uh revolutionary for the genre. Um kind of just like I, I wrote in my review that when it comes to a slow building plot that leads to a beautiful crescendo, the shining is a pioneer. And yeah, I is, yeah. and I, I believe that because around this time you didn't really have a whole lot of movies that did what the shining did. No. And I mean, even to this day, uh, this, this movies movie weren't that long yeah. back then. Right. This was what, two and a half hours long. Yeah. About yeah. two, two hours, 30 minutes yeah. or so, give or take. But yeah, I mean, movies 
were, I mean, of course, movies started as short films, 20 minutes long right. to an hour, maybe tops. Mm-hmm. And yeah, The Shining is kind of one of those first movies that really requires the viewers to give it, pa- you know, to be patient, give it time. It's a slow burn is, is what it's referred to, right. I believe. And yeah, just that end sequence, the third act of the movie just crescendos beautifully. And um, I just think The Shining was one of the first movies to really do that well. I mean, I haven't seen every movie from that time, but yeah. but for sure. I mean, I've seen quite a few. Yeah. Um, and the, the crazy thing about this, and you talked about the runtime, the crazy thing about the runtime is I was watching it again last night. Mm-hmm. And I'm about like two hours and fifteen minutes in. And I'm like, holy shit, this movie flies by! Like you, you don't it feel does. like you're sitting for it, two and a half it, hours yeah, watching a movie sure. because it grips you throughout the entire film. And that's just something that you don't see a lot these days. I mean, there's a lot of longer movies and stuff. I mean, you've got you know the the Dark Knight films that are like two hours, two and a half hours long. You've got the you know the Avengers movies that are that are about that time. You got the Lord of the Rings, and those movies all do a really good job of keeping you sucked in and invested. All the of entire which time. came out decades after this movie long long time after this movie kind of established that a movie can be two and a half hours long right it'll be very good so to your point back at that at that time it was really rare for a movie to be this long but this this did it and it did it really 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 well so um absolutely the opening sequence of this movie was filmed in glacier national park in montana instead of a colorado mountain i did not know that yeah yeah um, beautiful. I love the opening sequence with the just blaring soundtrack theme over How, the, the drive. Right. No, yeah. It, the, and uh, again, the soundtrack is just oh, it's man. so impactful. Amazing. How about if you it, when you talk about something, if there's anything I have related to that, how about we, we kind of wrap it into that with it? Sure. Sound good? So a little bit of a tidbit uh, on the VHS version of The Shining. When they're going up the hill and they're going to uh, going upside the mountain, they're getting to the, the hotel. Mm-hmm. You can see. The helicopter that is that is filming. <laughs> I've heard them. about that. You can yeah. see the shadow in the side of the mountain. Now Kubrick at the time was like, "We need to get that out of there." Um, so, and I don't remember when Kubrick died. It was a while back. The but I, late eighties, early nineties. I think so. Yeah. He was. It wasn't long after this that he died. Then. So. Well, I think or- Clockwork Orange maybe came out in the nineties. So maybe it, it was the mid late nineties. Yeah, I, I, might I, be mistaken. I think so. So, so uh, around the time where like DVD was starting was was going to be a thing, but he was like, we need to get rid of this. And there's only there there are some VHSs that have been released that have it edited out, but mm-hmm. there's some that don't. Um, and I, I remember being younger and watching this with a buddy that I went to high school with, and he's like, check that out. I was like, what? And he's like, there's the helicopter that has the camera on it. The shadow of it's on the, they didn't edit it out or they didn't crop it out. Right. The shadow of it's on the mountain. So I thought that was something that was kind of cool. The, a little bit of an editing a mess up that, that, uh, that wasn't caught, you know, before releasing the film, which is rare for Kubrick films. Cause he's so, per, he's such a perfectionist. And oh, he's he is, very nitpicky yeah. about his movies. So, uh, do you have some other ones? Yeah. Um, the over, the floor plan of the overlook uh, doesn't actually make sense if you pay attention to kind of um, where certain characters are in certain yeah. parts of the movie. So, like, for example, um, when Jack in the beginning is walking into his interview, mm-hmm. you see that the interview room has a window behind the interviewer, mm-hmm. and it obviously looks like it's looking outside. Yeah. There's sunlight coming through. But when he's walking in, you see that there's a doorway leading to a hallway behind where the interview room would be. So he wouldn't technically there be wouldn't be out, a window outer, there. Yeah, yeah it would, would be, be a hallway. Building, yeah. So you can tell it was a set. <laughs> Um, and then there's certain hallways, um, that like 
you see Danny riding his tricycle down or you see certain characters walk down throughout the movie uh, where when they're reintroduced later on, uh, they wouldn't connect that way. Kind of something like that. Right. And there, there's a documentary that kind of goes over the entire floor plan of, of the overlook and yeah. how it doesn't make sense. But I thought that was interesting because you you're made to think that this is a real hotel. Right. You're like you, you're you know, you think that they just rented out a hotel and just shot the movie in there. Mm-hmm. But no, th- a lot of this is a set. Yeah. Um, the outside. It's a, mis- it's a common misconception that people think that they filmed it at the actual the, the Stanley and yeah, the, and they and they didn't. They they weren't because I I've, I've been to Colorado. I've been to the the Stanley. I've been mm-hmm. to I've been to the the hotel. You know, did a tour of it. Did a little like goofy little ghost tour of it and everything. But yeah, it it, it doesn't look like or isn't even close to like the size that they portray in the film. Right. At all. But it's like a hotel that's like made to be a museum mm-hmm. for the shining. Yeah, yeah. Right. For sure. Um. So a, a little bit of uh, information with that. So. <coughs> Kubrick being the way that he is wanted to film the movie in chronological order. So film it from film the first scene first and then go to the second, third, fourth, fifth, which meant that along the lines of a movie making aspect, they had to have the entire set of every single scene built so that they could jump from one set to the other set to the next scene to the next scene, Mm -hmm. Um, costing like almost almost like half of the budget that they spent on this was was used to reserve and, and set aside those those sets on this big studio lot, <laughs> which pushed back Indiana the the first Indiana Jones movies. It pushed that oh, back wow. from from release. And there was a there's another one I have it in here. I don't remember what it was. I think it was it might have been Star Wars or something, but it pushed back the release date of it because they were using all the lot space and all the studio space for for the Shining, because Kubrick a lot of put his foot down and was like, "Yeah, to oh, that to dude, for yeah, the studio had to be like, this better make us some fucking money, because we're literally pushing back two of the be- best, two of the biggest films of all time, oh, like Indiana Jones and Star Wars, yeah, the biggest like sci-fi style movies and adventure, yeah, yeah, like so, yeah, that it, it, so that's to your to your point, you know, the the casual viewer is not going to realize like, oh, they're in a hallway, they shouldn't have a window in that in that room, but mm-hmm. after watching the movie and studying it as many times as we have. It's something that is pretty obvious to, that you that you catch. So you have other ones. Well, um, to kind of finish on that thought, um, people speculate that the abnormalities or the you know nonsensical uh, floor plan is intentional mm. by oh, okay. Stanley because he's just such a perfectionist. He, I mean, you can see in all of his movies just like the twistiness of certain rooms and right. buildings that his characters are in. Goofy and layouts. And yeah, stuff. just the set design is beautiful. And he, he is someone who, who really uses colors a lot in movies to depict Very certain um, feelings or you know vibes, I guess, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, in this movie, I did uh, read somewhere. It's not in my notes here, but I do want to mention it now that I mentioned colors. But... Uh, this movie uses red and green a lot. Red obviously being bad, green mm. being good. Mm-hmm. Jack in the beginning of the movie, um, whether or not you think he's just an asshole or deranged already, right. is wearing green a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Uh, and then when he becomes his deranged murderous self, Full is wearing that red, red dra- yeah. that red jacket mm-hmm. and the jeans and. Um, the bathroom that him and Grady are in later on is like bright red. Right. Is just, you don't even, it kind of catches you off guard. Cause like what kind of bathroom would be painted this bright ass uh-huh. red. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, and, and, the, and that discussion between him and Grady is so gruesome that yeah, you just know is. that it's 
the red has meaning there for right. sure. Well, and then like where where he starts to kind of like turn into a dick and and really like take things out on 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 Wendy. The the room where he's typing and working and like the the carpet is all like red and red and black. You've got the the darker kind of reddish brown walls and everything. Mm-hmm. The 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 mahogany you know darker desk and stuff like the darker tones are very very prevalent in the scenes where there's dark shit happening yeah. and it's and it's it's just something that and, and that's that's there's a lot of movies that do that do stuff like that and it's really cool when you can point it out and you can see it like the the most recent one i can think of that does that really well um is uh joker with uh walking oh, yeah um it, it literally starts it starts out really dark the movie is really dark and really and mm-hmm. I, I mean i mean like visually dark like actual like dark colors and dark tones right right and then when he starts to hit fuck it and not realize you know not care what other people start to think about him you start seeing like oh like he's outside on a bright day he's like he's got bright clothes on he's you know he's dancing in the sun shining on him and everything like that like even though He's still a crazy person and killing people. Because the weight's been lifted off his shoulders. Exactly. He's like, I'm not constantly worrying about what other people think. Yep. I'm and, being and, myself, and right. it makes him happy. Right. Exactly. And that's and that's what you see in The Shining is is as as Jack starts to go to the dark side, he <laughs> starts to literally be surrounded by darkness, and it's it's just so goddamn beautiful. Right. And uh, these last two that I have, I know for sure that you have mm-hmm. probably on your list because they're just like everyone knows them at this point. But yeah. Kubrick is, of course, notorious for hundreds of takes or dozens, sometimes going over 100 takes right. um, in, in all of his films. And there are like a couple particular scenes in mm-hmm. this movie where they did over 100 takes. It yep. caused certain actors to just have a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of them being the... Um, yeah, you're right. I do have that. One of them being when uh, Duvall and Nicholson are going up the stairs. Yep. She's backing up with That's the bat like up the, the stairs. That's like the one with the most takes. Yep. Yeah. It's it's literally like, and, and I, I have it in here from uh, from what is rumored to what is actually said that actually happened. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rumor is that it was like over 100 takes, which means that it was a Guinness, a Guinness World Record for takes for a single, a single scene. Mm-hmm. Another one that was a lot of takes, uh, a ton, and almost made Scatman quit. The was, one where it's just zooming in on his face. There's there's that one. Um, that one was like 20, 30 takes. But mm-hmm. there's there's the scene where he's sitting and Danny's eating ice cream and he's telling him about The Shining and he's talking to him about that. That was filmed over 60 times. Oh, wow. Can you imagine just repeating lines 60 times over? That and Probably most of the time they're the same as the other 20 or 30 you did. Like, exactly. Fuck, man. I, I could not work on a Kubrick film. Like, <laughs> I'm sure the notoriety and stuff is worth it, but fuck, man. An- I, another weird thing about that scene in particular is I heard Danny Lloyd's character mm-hmm. had no problem. No. With with 60 takes. Yep. He did it like a champion every time. Yeah, it, it's even more crazy. Is This was his first movie that yeah. he ever did, and the last movie he ever did. Oh, After this, he got right. a job as like, like he, he lived a normal life, probably lived off the normal funds of the movies that he got, or the... The funds from the movie that he received, right, right. Um, but then got just like a normal job, just a normal job. Never got into acting again. Never went back into acting. He doesn't Who knows really why? need to, honestly. But yeah, I mean, he he's a kid that could probably live off the funds of The Shining for the rest the of the residuals. He's still I'm getting sure residuals and yeah, and royalties from this for a, a long, long time. So, um, was there any other that uh, and then yeah, just the Shelley Duvall just being treated like trash throughout mm-hmm. the production and the real emotion being invoked from her and how it's almost just not even acting at that point. It's yeah. just real fright right. from her. So for sure, that's all I had. Yeah.
so, so the first bit of trivia that I have is uh, for the scene in which Jack breaks the door of the bathroom, um, the props department built a door that could easily be broken. However, Jack Nicholson had worked as a volunteer fire marshal and tore it apart way too Heard easily. Heard about that, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, okay, well, we're not going to use a prop, you know, easily breakable they door. They like a Let's real door. Put a real door on here and let him just hack through it, and he did. Um, he still hacked through it like butter. Like nothing. Yeah, like nothing, like no problem. Um, so uh, that that one I thought was pretty interesting and just makes Jack Nicholson more of a fucking badass. Um, so uh, another bit is Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall have expressed open resentment against the reception of this film, feeling that critics and audiences creative, cre- sorry, credited Stanley Kubrick's uh, contribution uh, solely for this film's success. So people are thinking that, you know, they're just giving him all the credit, mm-hmm. which is a bummer um, without considering the efforts of the actors crew or the strength of Stephen King's, you know, underlying material. Uh, Nicholson and Duvall have said that this film was one of the hardest in their careers. In fact, Nicholson considers Duvall's performance the most difficult role he's ever seen an actress take on. Duvall also considers her performance the hardest she's ever done in her, the, the, the most difficult role she's ever taken in her life. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then so uh, to get Jack Nicholson in the right agitated mood, he was fed only cheese sandwiches for two <laughs> weeks, which he absolutely hates. Um, so I talk about method acting. I mean, he's really yeah. getting into character and getting getting pissy right. with the, the, the cheese sandwiches. Um, so the throwing around of the tennis ball inside the Overlook Hotel was Jack Nicholson's idea. Uh, the script originally only specified that Jack wasn't working. So it would have probably been more Kubrick of uh, Kubrick style. Jack just standing there staring, doing what doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack was Jack Nicholson was like, well, why don't we have him, you know, throw around a tennis ball inside and, and, and you know, just mm-hmm. mess around yeah. that way. Um, so that was added to the film. Um, let's see here. Uh Scatman Crothers, the only reason he got the role was Jack Nicholson suggested him for the film. Heard about that. Uh, yep. Uh, Crothers had a tough time on this movie with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, making I mean, he's, do... he, he's a musician, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, a blues, a blues, jazz blues musician, right. yeah. Um, so he had a tough time uh, with Stanley uh, making him do over 100 takes for, for one scene. Uh, Crothers' next film was Bronco Billy, uh, mm-hmm. directed by Clint Eastwood, who is famous for generally only doing one take. Uh, Crothers broke down in tears. This is very dramatic for an actor. That, that's this is their overly dramatic <laughs> right. emotions. But Crothers broke down in tears of gratitude on the first scene that he filmed with them, and realizing that he wouldn't have to do endless take after take after take. Um, which again, w- we kind of mentioned on this uh, a little bit ago. Is I, I, I couldn't do, I couldn't do a, a Kubrick film. There's there's no goddamn way. Probably not. No. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so there's uh, there were so many changes to the script during the shooting that Jack Nicholson claimed he stopped reading it. He said he would read only new pages that were given to him on the day right before sh- filming <laughs> the, the scene because he's like, there's there's they make too many changes. There's no reason they're reading it. Um, Stanley Kubrick, known for his compulsiveness and numerous takes, got the difficult shot of blood pouring from the elevator in only three takes, wow. which sounds impressive, but but it's not because this would be remarkable. Um, if it weren't for the fact that the shot took nine days to set up, <laughs> nine fucking days to set Jesus. up. And every time the doors opened, the blood poured out. Kubrick would say it doesn't look like blood. In the end, the shot took approximately one year to get perfectly right. But that's with fun. like the post effects and stuff. Yep. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, the, so the filming probably took about a month to do of it just because he kept, you know, having him reset and do it and, and everything. And, then, you know, they probably had other obligations and other scenes to film. Um, but then, yeah, uh, getting the, the editing down and the music and stuff along the lines of it took a full fucking year to get right. So, 
Holy um, shit! I just I hearing that one shot took that long. I wanted to look up how long it took to make The Shining. Five fucking five years. years. Yeah, dude. Very notably known that Shelley Duvall suffered from nervous exhaustion throughout the film, including physical Ill- illness and hair loss. There's a, in the documentary that Jeez. I watched last night. She's sitting on a chair and uh, uh, Kubrick walks in and she's like, "Look what you're doing to me!" And she's just pulling out strands of hair of her own hair. He's like and, telling and, people and, not to give her sympathy. Yeah, he, yeah, he's like he's like don't sympathize for Shelley. He's like it only it it doesn't help her. It doesn't help her in this situation. Don't don't sympathize for her. She's overreacting. I'm like oh my gaslight. God. Yeah, no <laughs> shit, dude. And, and there's something to be said about his genius. Like he he gets he gets good stuff out of people. But there's also something to be said about being an absolute fucking monster to, monster to work with. Like it, I'm not mm-hmm. here for it. Um, so the snowy maze near the conclusion of the movie consisted of nine hundred tons. Of salt and crushed styrofoam. Um, and uh, I guess I'll just pile in the other bit of trivia about the maze. But apparently this was not filmed in the winter. This was filmed in the summer. And wow. the maze was so hot that like, and, and obviously you've got to dress like you're in the winter when you're walking through it and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. The maze was so hot that, that it's it was common practice that as soon as the scenes were finished filming, that cast and crew would like take off clothes. To, to cool down because it was so damn hot in that maze. You would never know that. No, no, it and, and I didn't when I when I figured that out last night or when I found that out last night, I was like, that's just top tier acting. Yeah. Like top tier acting is is making it seem cold in a place that's stifling hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Stephen Queen Stephen Queen, that's hilarious. Stephen King <laughs> was quite disappointed in the final film. While admitting that Stanley Kubrick's visuals were stunning, he said that the surface is not uh, or that he said that was surface and not substance. Uh, he often described the film as a fancy car without an engine. <laughs> um, he's been very vocal about it, which is goofy because he went on to to greenlight the the sequel of it with people who were tied originally to the first film. It just doesn't make sense. And he but. likes he notably likes Doctor Sleep too. Love so, it. Yeah, yeah thought it was that was great for sure. Um, Stanley, this is the long one. Stanley Kubrick had invented had, had envisioned Shelley Duvall. As a more timid, dependent version of Wendy Torrance from the very beginning. However, Jack Nicholson, after reading the novel, wanted Jessica Lange, known for mm-hmm. American Horror American Story. Story. Yeah, I wanted Jessica Lange for the role of Wendy, which would I think would have been fucking it great. It would have been way different. It would have been super, super different, but it would have been, I think it would have been its own type of monster. It would have mm-hmm. been really good. Um, f- uh, so he wanted her for the role of Wendy and even recommended her to Kubrick as he felt she fit Stephen King's version of the character. From what I've heard... Uh, Stephen King's version of of Wendy was more of a strong-willed, you know, kind of badass woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Jessica Lange notably does really well. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. A- absolutely. She's a badass. Um, after explaining the changes, uh, he had made Kubrick convince him that Duvall was the correct choice um, and that she best suited the emotional, fragile Wendy he had in mind. Uh, many years later, Nicholson told Empire Magazine that he thought Duvall was fantastic and was mm-hmm. actually the right choice. Um, so, and I, I talked about this a little bit earlier. As uh, Stanley lived in England, he wasn't familiar with the "Here's Johnny" line um, from right. the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, um, and almost removed it from the movie. Um, so, despite Stanley Kubrick's fierce demands of everyone, Jack Nicholson admitted to having a really good working relationship with him. It was with Shelley Duvall that he was a completely different director. He allegedly picked on her more than anyone else, as seen in the documentary Arena, Making the Shining, that was done in the 80s. Uh, that was literally done like the year that this, this documentary was done the year that the movie came out. And then the documentary Stanley Kubrick, A Life in Pictures in 2001. Um, 
he would really lose his temper with her, scream at her, even go as far as saying that she was wasting the time of everyone on set, wasting his time. Um, she later reflected that he was probably pushing her to her limits to get the best out of her mm-hmm. and that she wouldn't trade the experience for anything, but it was not something she ever wished to repeat or go through again. Yeah, she she actually enjoys the movie. She said mm-hmm. it turned out well and that doing what he did caused it to be that way, but she right. just, yeah, th- would never go through something like that again. There's something where the time of the movie being done, you can, you can, you know, realize that, oh God, that was shitty. But then looking back on it, you're like, wow, that actually turned out pretty well. Um, so Stanley Kubrick wanted to shoot the film in script order. We talked about this a little bit, li- a little bit earlier with your trivia that you brought it up. So they, uh, in order to achieve this, every soundstage uh, from Elstree Studios was used uh, with all sets built, pre-lit and ready to go during the entire shoot at the studios, which took about half the budget that they had for the movie and used it for that. Mm. Um, Stanley Kubrick considered Robert De Niro and Robert Robin Williams for the role of Jack Torrance. Think about the type of movie that would have been if yeah. either one of them would have been in that. I want Robin Williams. I want to see that. I would Robin Williams can play a deranged a creep, character. One hour yeah. photo. One hour yeah. photo. Yeah, yeah. Dude, for sure. Um, and well, and De Niro can play a a, a, a dick as well, which mm-hmm. is basically just what Jack Kate, uh, is. Taxi driver, Kate and, Fear. Mm-hmm, yep. So uh, he decided. So Kubrick decided against him. Uh, he didn't think that De Niro suited the role after watching his performance in Taxi Driver, um, and he deemed De Niro not psychotic enough for the role. He didn't think that Williams would suit the role after watching his performance in Morgan and Mindy, and then he deemed that he was too psychotic for the role. <laughs> uh, according to Stephen King, Kubrick also briefly considered Harrison Ford for it, mm. which I, I not that no. swing and a miss with that. I don't think that would have worked. Hmm. I mean, um, Harrison Ford's a dick, but not he's a fantastic a actor, dick. but he's not a psychopath. No, he's, he doesn't play. He wouldn't play, play that role well. Um, so uh, this was so there was no air conditioning on the sets, making it making it that it would be, you know, really hot. Um, I mentioned the maze, you know, and how they would have to basically strip down once mm-hmm. they were finished so they could cool down a bit. Uh, Stanley Kubrick decided having the hedge animals come alive, which is what they do in the book, the hedge animals yeah. that are outside that come, come to life, um, was unworkable due to the restrictions and special effects. So we opted to have the hedge maze instead, which wasn't in the book. There's a great deal of confusion regarding the film and the number of retakes for certain scenes. According to the Guinness Book of Records, the scene where Wendy is backing up the stairs swinging the baseball bat was shot 127 times. Mm-hmm. 127 times this woman is walking backwards swinging a baseball bat up the stairs. Crying. Like, Crying. Yeah. Um, holy shit. So it, it's the record for the most takes of a single scene. However, Steadcam operator Garrett Brown and assistant editor Gordon Stainforth said that this is inaccurate. The scene was shot about 35 to 45 times. So okay. I thought that was interesting because I was like, oh, my God, my entire life I've thought that this movie was just... Which is this still was, too many, though. That's way too many. Way too many. That That that's is a seven or eight though. time. That's realistic. It Over a hundred? Yeah. Like, that's absurd. Right. I was getting ready to call bullshit, but, I mean, you you have the internet in front of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, for sure. That's, that's where I got it from. Um, Stephen King did not know that murder, spelled backwards, was red rum until he actually typed it. That's Stephen King for you. He loved the various connotations of the word. Red Rum was a famous racehorse in the 70s that he used to bet on. Hmm. Uh, the movie's line, Here's Johnny, was voted as the number 68 movie quote by the film by the American Film Institute out of 100, uh, number 68 out of 100, and then number 36 out of 100 in the 100 Greatest Movie Lines of All Time by Premiere Magazine in 2007. Um, hmm. This was voted by Entertainment Week- Weekly as the ninth scariest film of all time. Hmm. Um, this movie, after Carrie, 
is the second theatrical ad- adaptation uh, based off the work of Stephen King. So Talk before, about blood in a movie. Dude, yeah, the, like dumping the pig's blood pig's on blood, it. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah, so Carrie was the first one that was done by off of a Stephen King book. And then The Shining after after that. So yeah, Carrie was seventy six, right? Yep, seventy six. Yeah, good job. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> Shelley Duvall is the only actor or actress who played a member of the Torrance family whose character name is not the same as the as his or her real name in life. Jack Nicholson played Jack Torrance, and Danny Lloyd played Danny. Yeah. Um, room two thirty seven two seventeen in the novel. Yep. Um, continues the theme as continues the theme in Stephen King novels of rooms which. Numbers have significance. The numbers 2 and 17 used in the novel add to 19, which is significant in several of Stephen King's novels, most prominently The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. So um, it's I always like it when writers and directors and actors bring back, have callbacks in, in yeah. their books or movies or whatever. Um, the last bit of trivia here, which uh, makes my arms feel sore, is Wendy Torrance <laughs> swung the baseball bat 241 times on film. You can tell, like, in that staircase scene. Oh, yeah. Her swings are so, like, weak because (laughs) she's probably been doing it, like, hundreds of times on on that scene Mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I got from my trivia. Uh, This was a longer episode, but this was a movie that we had a lot to talk about. That'll that'll do it for The Shining. Um, I, I Thanks... Uh, Joe for joining us for this one. Yeah, thanks for coming him. to hang out. You'll this see cool. more of him this month. Spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 yeah, creepy laugh. Talking um, about some some great movies, talking about some not so great movies. <laughs> it'll be fun. Regardless, <laughs> it'll be a good time. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, have a spooky day, and we will see you soon. That's going to do it for our second installment of our special Spooktober event. Shout out to Joe for coming down. You'll hear him again next week. So make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen on. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at afterthecredit.tv. Let us know what you think so far. And also, what's your favorite Halloween movie? While you're there, make sure to like, comment, and follow. We'll be posting updates on all of our upcoming episodes. All month long in October, we'll be doing some great spooky films. We love you more than Jack loves the Overlook Hotel. That's a wrap.